From Washington, this is Political Theater. Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. When something becomes a political football, that's just one of the most tired, but true sometimes, cliches in political jargon. But what happens when football becomes political itself? We're going to talk about this, uh, specifically the Washington Redskins and the D.C. City Council and Donald Trump and Congress and year-end spending bills and all kinds of stuff that have to do with both football, professional, and professional politics. Brandon Weatherby, the co-host of this podcast. Apparently. <laughs> not, not really. Uh, no, you are the host of your uh, your podcast, You, Me, Them. Everybody, mm-hmm. you are also managing editor at Brightest Young Things here in the district. Welcome back Thank to Political Thank you for Theater. having me. I think that we talked about football the last time we did. you were we on the podcast. The we talked about the USFL. We're going to talk primarily about the NFL. We're probably going to broach the XFL, mm-hmm. which is heading to D.C. But first, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on this little thing. Uh, drama that we've got playing out in the city and in the Maryland suburbs right now. Dan Snyder, the owner of the Washington Redskins, it wants to work with the uh, White House, led by President Donald Trump, former USFL owner, and Congress, which is trying to wrap up its business, and the D.C. City Council to sort of make uh, make it a little bit easier to bring the Redskins back from the Maryland suburbs to the old RFK site, uh, which is being de- redeveloped uh, sort of as we speak. All these things intertwined. I mean, it's just it's kind of nuts that we have all of these features going in. I'm just curious what you think about all Is this. it nuts? Eh, maybe not. Or does it make complete sense? Because, well, okay, let's if you break it down, the mm-hmm. thing that you said is like D.C., the, the Washington football team should be playing in Washington, D.C. That's mm-hmm. like one of the parts. I don't disagree with that. I think regardless of your feelings on professional football, if the team name is the blank blank, they should play in the city. If the Baltimore Ravens are called the Baltimore Ravens, they should play in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. If this was the DMV Redskins, fine, play in Landover. But they should actually play at RFK, or if not RFK, the location where RFK once stood. That absolutely makes sense, number one. Number two, if you're not invited to a club, you're going to want to start your own club or try to get into a different uh, way to get into that club. And that's all Trump's been doing. Mm-hmm. So the idea of Snyder and Trump working together to get the Redskins back into the district and Trump working with the NFL to get in their good graces, something he's been trying to do as recently as 2014, not at all surprising. Did we think it'd be at this level? To me, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, just to back up, like what is happening right now is that Congress is trying to wrap up uh, its its spending for the year. It's a few months late. Uh, in in wrapping up its business, and they need to pass an appropriations bill to wrap up you know the funding for the current fiscal year. What Dan Snyder, the owner of the Redskins, wants to do is he wants to tuck a provision into this year-end sort of spending bill that would renew the lease uh, on on the land that RFK sits on, that's on the Anacostia River and where the Redskins used to play, past the 2038 expiration of the current lease. The city leases this land from the National Park Service. They operate the stadium that's there, the old RFK stadium where the Redskins played and, and where D.C. United used to play. Their, their lease says that they can only do it for, for recreational purposes. There's no commercial activity that's allowed there. So what Snyder wants to do is he wants to, uh, you know, he wants to work with the city and the administration and Congress to renew the lease for another 99 years and allow commercial development there. And what's interesting about all this, of course, is that Donald Trump, uh, Republican, <laughs> Dan Snyder, Donald Trump, um, you know, supporter. Dan Snyder wants to do this now because he's afraid of what will happen when the Democrats take the uh, the the majority in the mm-hmm. House. That it might make it a little more difficult to do something like this. 
uh, and and then the D.C. City Council, overwhelmingly Democratic. Mm -hmm. So you've got some strange politics at play, because especially because the, the most Democratic part of this equation, the D.C. City Council, seems to be okay with it. They want it to happen. Muriel Bowser, the, the mayor who was just reelected, wants this to happen. But... Democrats coming into Congress may not feel that way, so it's weird. I mean, it's like I mean, it's really kind of complicated, but it's also just like this. I mean, this is the political football. This is the f football is political. This is to me the least controversial of the big three problems with the NFL is the stadium deals. Even though it should actually be the number one, because at, in 2018, and it does matter when I say in 2018, because in 2008, the players that were in the Super Bowl, the players that were in the NFL, they didn't know about CTE to the level where every single person that plays any given Sunday knows exactly what they're getting into. So in terms of the general public, if you want to risk concussions, if you know you're going to get concussions mm -hmm. and you want to do that, that's up to you at this point. Mm -hmm. it's, there's no longer a mystery in that. And the other thing is the Kaepernick issue, which kind of doesn't even really matter when it comes to this because this is about the future. And uh, there's going to be racist owners forever. I'm confident in saying that. But when it comes to this specific deal, this is the thing that is, will affect D.C. taxpayers the most. I actually see the pros and cons of it. I don't think it's nearly as black and white. I think it is kind of a bipartisan idea of having a league, having your team in your city because the, the money it will generate. I mean, Chicago football team is not that good for a very long time. But even when they were really bad, they had the draft. And that was a big moneymaker in April in a town where didn't really have a football team for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Yes, now they're good. But, like, what are you doing with the Bears in 2015? Nothing. So just having that extra revenue, right. there's a lot of – it makes a lot of sense. And I'm not sure if you know this, but uh, Chicago is a pretty democratic city. It's not right. like there aren't football fans. Right. So – um, and the same thing could be said of Washington. Absolutely. If you look at their fan base, it's predominantly African-American. Mm -hmm. uh, the city is like 92% went against Trump right. in the most recent election. And yes, oh, but who's counting at this point? The mayor is has to work with him be, because it makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily a good idea or a bad idea, but it, it's uh, it's a worthwhile idea worth exploring. And and also the when the lease was negotiated that would allow you know the, the city to operate the RFK site and only do it for recreational purposes. I mean, this was from an era when you know there wasn't an NFL stadium or an NBA you know facility or a soccer stadium or a baseball field was not. A a magnet for commercial and retail activity. I mean, there were stadiums and they were surrounded by parking lots mm -hmm. and that was it. And so that was sort of a thinking from the 1950s. And now that's changed. I mean, the the way that the, say, the, the new stadium in LA is being developed is they're yeah. looking at it as a commercial hub. They want to bring people there. You know, whether people will show up is an open question, but it, there is an economic development issue uh, that, that you can make as a, as a mayor or as a congressman or as a president, mm -hmm. regardless of how you feel. Now, the... And and I, I agree that may be the least um, uh, controversial of, yeah. of these three points, as you said, CT and concussion risk. This is this is now out in the open. I mean, there was even a, a you know a movie a few years ago with, with, Will Smith. with Will Smith. So of course people know about this, mm -hmm. right? And I'm not trying to be glib about it, but it, it is in the mainstream of of thought that yeah, if you're playing risk. now, you right. know what you're getting into, which in a way makes it more forgivable. Yeah. The, the second the second issue is the Kaepernick issue, and that's yeah. whether to kneel or stand during the national anthem. And of course, you know what I find fascinating about the story too is that I mean Donald Trump led. You know, very much voicing the the um, the anxieties or the the criticism of players who were taking a knee during the, the national anthem and made this an issue, made it a political issue. Uh, 
uh, it was, you know, Colin Kaepernick started the ball rolling. He has been unsigned for the last two years because of that stance uh, in the NFL. And of course, there is this issue now with the Redskins. Here we go again. And Trump. Here we go again. That. The Redskins keep going through. They keep chewing through quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. You know, they, the, the first two guys on the depth chart broke their legs, mm-hmm. Colt, uh, Alex Smith and Colt McCoy. So they had to turn to Mark Sanchez, the former Jets quarterback, who hasn't played a down in, in two years until last Sunday. Mm-hmm. And he's uh, awful. And so they're, 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 now they're playing this guy, Josh Johnson, who um, nobody had ever heard of. And I th- and pe- think people keep confusing him with Jack Johnson, the guy who sung the Curious George song. So, like, Colin Kaepernick is meanwhile saying, like, I'll sign with anybody. And he obviously would still have some sort of skill set left. He's sure, a, he's a you know he's a talented uh, athlete, uh, and and yet you know and the and the Redskins have a, an outside playoff shot, but they are probably not going to roll the dice on. Well, this. as of this week, they don't. The, that playoff shot has shrunk a lot. Right. The Cowboys, who are in the division, mm-hmm. performed well, and uh, they and the Redskins per- did not. The Redskins <laughs> performed poorly against a divisional rival who was missing their best player, uh, who was benched at one point. So. It doesn't make any sense why you wouldn't sign Kaepernick um, from an on-field perspective, but mm-hmm. when it comes to ownership, it t- why would you sign Kaepernick if you're Dan Snyder, who's your only friend is Jerry De- Jones, another conservative man that raised a lot of money for President Trump? That does not make any sense. There's a very select few owners that might even consider hiring Kaepernick, and they don't need quarterbacks. The Atlanta Falcons does not need another quarterback. That is the issue with Kaepernick. There's when it, when you think of the NFL, there there's two NFLs. There's the actual on-field product, and then there's the owners. And they're very, very different. And they look very, very different. And when I say look, I mean blatantly when it comes to race. Right. And all of the owners, why would you want to do that? Uh, we now know football is blatantly a religion, right? We know Catholics. It's on Sunday. Because it is on Sunday. But mm-hmm. how many Catholics now are aware of the of the abuse that went on in the Catholic Church? But they just won't give it up because that's their faith. If your faith is the Washington Redskins and you know the team name makes other people feel uncomfortable and you know the players on the field are going to have shorter lives because of what they're doing on the field and you know you could be winning if you just were a little less racist, ah, it's, still, it's still my team. It's still my religion. Why would I change that? That's who I grew up with. It's impossible to get past these things. And and once you realize that, it's just, oh, yeah, Kaepernick never had a chance. But good for him for getting that Nike endorsement. But I wonder also is do they have the potential to lose more fans? And say in Washington, where I mean, you know, again, as you noted, the fan base for the Washington Redskins has a you know a very significant block of it is African American. Mm-hmm. They're set in the Maryland suburbs, which is like the wealthier black parts mm-hmm. of like Washington are centered there. Uh, could they be like you know this is messed up? I mean, we're, they're not they're not signing him because. There's a, obviously some sort of informal boycott among the owners, and also, like in particular, Washington wouldn't want to do that because the owner is is you know has donated to Trump and has courted him actively, and the last thing he wants to do right now, as he's trying to get this lease thing uh, done, is is antagonize the guy who has made the biggest issue out of Kaepernick himself. No, the answer <laughs> is no. They've right. already hit the bottom. Here, 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 really simple. If there was ever going to be a time for there to be actual change in the NFL, it would have been the spring or the summer of 2017. You ha- you're coming off of the most political time in football ever, the this, uh, this season of 2016. You have Kaepernick unsigned. You have the most hated team across the board, the New England Patriots, winning the Super Bowl. What happens? The NFL takes a little bit of a ding. Ratings go down a little bit, but they're still the number one league, number one rating, rated league. 
they're still the most profitable league. Mm-hmm. Still the most, uh, the two most profitable teams being the Cowboys, which we've already established as Jerry Jones, and the Patriots, which we will establish as Robert Kraft, who also donated to the Trump campaign. We know these things. Mm-hmm. It's not we've hit the bottom, mm-hmm. but the bottom is still very big. It's still bigger than the NBA. And yes, the NBA is rising. Yes, MLB is growing a little bit. The NFL, at the end of the day, it's still a religion unlike these other two sports. One thing I wanted to discuss uh, is the XFL, mm-hmm. which is owned by Vince McMahon uh, and uh, the, the magnate behind the world wrestling entertainment uh, uh, small business out there. Uh, he is uh, He's restarting the XFL, which uh, sort of did one season right in 2001. It did one season. It, it did not do well. Right. The on-field, the on-field product was not good. Uh, as, as it's and, debatable. And, well, they they here's the thing about the XFL that's interesting. They influenced the way we literally watch the game. Mm-hmm. They were the most revolutionary in terms of camera techniques, and those are still used. That okay. over the field camera thing that was an XFL that's thing. Uh, number two, they made it feel like uh, a grade school yard, which is so fun and so dangerous. On the first play of the first game of the first season, a man's shoulder got dislocated because they hey. didn't have a kickoff. They had a ball in the middle of the field, and then men just ran at the ball. <laughs> but doesn't that sound like a fun idea? Like, the ideas were there. The execution just wasn't so great. But anyways, yeah. So they're going to try it again. They're and, trying and it again. Washington will be will host one of the franchises at, at Audi Field. Which I think uh, is actually a really – Good idea. And as you have noted in your book, mm-hmm. The Donald, uh, how Donald Trump turned professional wrestling or politics into professional mm-hmm. wrestling, uh, the McMahons have a longstanding relationship and friendship with Trump. Uh, Trump is in the World Wrestling Entertainment Hall of Fame. That is correct. And Linda McMahon, Vince McMahon's wife, is the small business administrator mm-hmm. and is a potential candidate to move up in the cabinet, possibly as Commerce Secretary. So you'd have a situation where, like, one of the a, a potential cabinet member might have an ownership stake in. The, a franchise that is just down, you know, kind of the road from the White House. Do you have a problem with uh, an NFL owner or an owner of a sports league being an ambassador to a different country? Um, or do you I'd, feel like I hadn't really thought about it? I, I, how is I, there any you, difference between yeah, Rooney and the yeah. UK and Obama? Right. It's yeah. not like this hasn't happened before. Right. Um, <laughs> the, the interesting thing about the XFL, and the XFL definitely deserves uh, attention because it's so absurd, um, is that no one's really talking about the football league that's a about to start, mm-hmm. which is the Alliance of American Football, okay. who is the who is created by Charlie Ebersol, son of Dick Ebersol, the son of Dick Ebersol. Right. I don't know if you know this. I'm sure you do, and a lot of people don't. Let's tell it for their listeners. Dick Ebersol mm-hmm. was what he was the head of NBC for a long time, mm-hmm. right? So Dick Ebersol has a son named Charlie. Charlie decides to make a documentary for ESPN about the XFL last year, and it does pretty well, mm-hmm. and that revives his. Vince is like, hey, maybe I should revisit this idea. That went horribly. So Vince decides, hey, I'm going to do the XFL. And then Charlie, kind of maybe learning from his own documentary, said, wait, I'm going to do the Alliance of American Football. (laughs) And unlike you, Vince, I actually have a network already locked in, and we're launching in 2019. So the XFL isn't coming to 2020 to Ollie Field, Mm -hmm. but the Alliance of American Football is coming next spring. They do not have a D.C. location, but unlike the XFL, they have a television network right. locked in, which arguably is much more important. Well, Brandon, uh, I know we covered a lot of ground, but I really appreciate your, you know, your sort of taking us through this because I think that these this interchange between professional football and politics is like just kind of fascinating. 
It's incredibly fascinating. It will never be solved. It's never going to go away. And all I'm going to say is uh, I am rooting for LeBron James and the Los Angeles Lakers. And uh, I have no, for the first time in my life, I don't think I have a problem with rooting for the Lakers. We're going to have to end on that. There's no way you can top that. Anyway, thank you, Brandon, for, uh, for stopping by. Thank you for having me. I'm Jason Dick. Thank you for joining us. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, NPR One, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And please rate us on iTunes. For more on this and other stories, visit RollCall.com or find us on Twitter at RollCall. You can follow me on, on Twitter at Jason J. Dick. And you can fo- follow Brandon at YMTE. And thank you for listening. 